Hello and welcome to Write Sweats, the podcast for fan fiction, friend fiction, and fun fiction. My name is Jen, and today I'm joined by my co-hosts, Jesse and Leah. Hey. Hey. All right, welcome back, guys. All right, so it's March. Welcome to March. This March, we have something exciting going on. We have our own March Madness. So, Leah, why don't you go ahead and describe that? Oh, boy, do we have a March Madness. I didn't know that I enjoyed creating brackets as much as I was going to enjoy creating brackets. You love brackets. creating spreadsheets. Yeah, I'm we all could have guessed. Yeah, no, I, we really should have, but I, I didn't expect it. So, what we're going to be doing is we have 48 adaptations of books or films that were adapted from books. And we are going to pit them head to head uh, in order to figure out which one is the best slash our favorite slash the chief sweater of all of this. (laughs) The sweating champion. Uh, Most sweaty. Sweatiest. Sweatiest. I think we threw around the idea of sweatiest, but like sweatiest book premise is a whole different thing we can talk about. Yeah. Yeah, maybe let's not go there. Which could be fun, but you know, oh, it's a we called it. We decided to call it the sweaty success story. There we go. Ooh, yeah, that's kind of romantic in a unsettling way. You know, in a real way. way. Yeah. <laughs> so the what we did was first I created four categories. So there is sci-fi, fantasy. There is uh, drama and horror. There is comedy and romance. And then there is classic and children's literature. Mm-hmm. Did we already and, clarify that we're doing book to movie adaptations? I believe so. Yeah, okay. I think for now it's just so book no, to movies. Good. There's no, it's not plays. It's not general IP to movie adaptations. I think it's just mainly novel length stories that have been turned into a, a, a full length movie. Yeah, Right. Or collections of short stories, I believe. That's true. Uh, but gen- generally it is, it's book to movie with one exception which we'll get to in a second so i we created these categories we picked movies for each category originally we had eight and so we were going to have 32 total movies but it felt like we were still missing some pretty obvious ones that we really wanted to talk about so we went back we expanded it into 12 in each category and then each of the right sweat podcast hosts got to pick their kind of one to save. So the one that would come in in the second week, kind of get a first week buy or for the first week off, mm-hmm. um, which kind of guarantees that some of our like personal favorites would get talked about and not just sort of shined over. So we're already going into this bracket saying that we have clear favorites. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think that would be, I think anyone who expected this group to have uh real unbiased opinions is uh, clearly listening to the wrong podcast. <laughs> um, so from there, what we did was we went on the Letterboxd app and put down the average ranking from Letterboxd users, which is how we then got our master like ranking from, you'll see on the, the actual bracket that everything has like a, a number of their ranking. That came from Letterboxd. That was a translation of Letterboxd, but then also kind of just a little bit of tweaking so that it stayed within their categories. So up until the next couple of weeks, it's going to be similarly themed books and movies until it's absolutely bonkers and out of control. 
And we had to early on, um, I think, put away Shakespeare adaptations for now because there's so many and there's so many different kinds of Shakespeare adaptations. Yes. And I think for now also we decided not to bring in superhero movies, which are based on comics. Um, and at least for this this year, this go through, put those aside because that becomes a very unmanageable group of there's just so freaking many. It's just too much. I think we made one exception for... So, right. You may be doing the math in your head going, okay, well, there's three people that host the right sweats. And if each category, if they need four choices in each category, who's the fourth picker? So when we brought this list to um, the commissioner, the commissioner said that we were missing his obvious favorites and those were at those were added to accommodate the commissioner. The commissioner, of course, being special guest from a couple episodes ago, Ron, my father. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, because it is one of his all-time favorites, and technically an adaptation of a play, the one play that we get to that gets to get grandfathered in or fathered in, the one Shakespeare that gets to get fathered into this list is. West Side Story. <laughs> yeah. And then I think we also, I also fudged the comic book thing a little bit too, because we had Logan originally on a, a first draft, because that's based on like a old man Logan, which is just like a, a enclosed graphic novel story. series. Yeah, of like what, six or seven issues, or it's not just Captain America as an idea. And also Ghost World is based on a graphic novel, but that's not a superhero movie. So I fudged that one a little bit, but y'all can deal with it. Yes. So we're going to go through uh, the pair-ups as we get to them instead of reading a whole list. For those of you that want to play along or that have already made your predictions, you can follow along with us at challenge.com, C-H-A-L-L-O-N-G-E.com, slash W-S, March 2019. That link will be on our Facebook and our Instagram and all that Social media nonsense. It's already there, probably. (laughs) You've (laughs) probably already made your prediction of who you want to win. So what we're going to do is we're going to get into it. Everything has been paired up. And we're basically going to make the case to each other about which one should win, which one is a better adaptation, which one we personally like better. The rules of this challenge are there are no rules, motherfuckers. Get ready. Yeah, I think I think when people have been talking to me about their predictions, they go, oh, are you guys talking about the most faithful adaptation, the most entertaining adaptation, the best the made creative. one? And I go, all of it, none of it, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to tell you how I'm picking. I don't know if I could tell you how I'm picking. You know? I'm just going to go with my gut. My gut is the rules here. <laughs> I was about to say, there are some that are, there are, and it's not on here, so I can I can say this, but... Movie adaptation of Queen of the Damned is one of the worst book-to-movie adaptations I've ever watched. It has been (laughs) thoroughly disowned by the author, but I freaking love that movie. It's just like my 2000s new metal goth dreams all come true. I would have a hard time letting that movie lose to anything because I love it so Mm -hmm. much. But it's a bad movie and a bad adaptation. So If you look at my prediction, you can kind of get a feel from for my decision-making process. <laughs> hey, now, you're an all-star, Jen, so don't worry about it. So should we do the damn thing? Should we jump in this? Oh, yeah, let's do this damn thing. All okay. right, pause for theme song. Are you going to sing a theme song? No, but we're pausing for it. Oh. Therapy. All right.
March Madness. Wow, what a beautiful theme song. I'm not cutting out that part, so. <laughs> All right, first up, drum roll, please. Harry Potter versus the Hunger Games. Harry Potter versus the Hunger Games. I have some strong feelings about this one. They tell us. <laughs> I feel that. like I feel like Harry Potter is what absolutely most people would choose because it's just so beloved. I have a fucking Harry Potter tattoo. Okay, like now is this Harry Potter the first one or is this Harry Potter all eight? Harry Potter all eight. All, yeah. all eight plus one. <laughs> no, God, no, no, because the last one's Only two. Only the parts, first right? eight. Oh, well, the last this last no. one's two parts, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, but that's why it's eight instead of seven. Oh, oh, I was, yeah. I haven't read. I that thought for a minute before. you were including some Newt Scamander stuff here. Anyway. Oh no, no, no. no. no so no. anyhow, I feel like that's going to be the obvious winner in terms of like other people's decisions. But I would choose the Hunger Games, not because I think it's a better story, but literally my gut, like, oh god, that movie. When you compare it to the book, the movie brings to life so much of what the book couldn't, because the book talks about like the effects of media and like being forced into like the screen and like how that like alters like who you are and how you're like made to be a false person like a like an idol that you really aren't so i just feel like the hunger games as a movie works so much better than it does as a book so i have to pick it even though harry potter would be the obvious choice to pretty much anyone else i mean my my gut is to go with harry potter because i believe that the high points in harry potter are definitely far and away higher than the high points in the Hunger Games, like as a movie. I think that when Harry Potter is really clicking, it is such a powerful movie in a way that just sort of, some of the things in Hunger Games just ended up falling flat. Oh, that's very true. And you can like hear the Harry Potter music and start to cry. Oh yeah, straight up. I I walked into the Hogwarts in Universal, Universal LA and started to cry because it oh, was just. Oh man, the first time I went there, my the heart was like racing. I was uh-huh. so happy. So that's one, one to Hunger Games, one to Harry Potter. Yeah. Okay. So I think we've all brought a lot of good points up. I think Harry Potter does not stick the landing in such a way that is inexcusable. I think the first <laughs> one needs to be remade because it's aesthetically and tonally different from the other seven. I like so the tone the of the first one. I like the tone and the aesthetics of the first one, but. Either all eight need to be a Chris Columbus joint or it needed to not be. At the same time, the Hunger Games movies are not great. Yet, Elizabeth Banks is. It sticks the landing and it has Donald Sutherland, so I go Hunger Games. What? All right, Jesse! <laughs> yes! I did not expect that. I'm pleased. <laughs> all right, so that means Harry Potter is dead in the first round. <laughs> yeah, uh, we killed Harry Potter. Move all on. Right. Never thought in a million years that would ever happen. I'm pretty pleased. All right, so the next matchup. Wow, we get, we, that was probably the biggest matchup of this week. We went for it right out the gate. We've lost half of our listeners, so we're down to one listener now. <laughs> oh, God, there are so many people, like, furious, I bet. Oh, I love it. Okay, so then the next matchup is going to be Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, based on the novel Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, versus the Polar Express. Based right, on so. the Polar Express. Based on the Polar <laughs> Express. So we're okay. talking Willy Wonka too, not Charlie and the Chocolate. We're talking Gene Wilder, not Honey Depp. We are talking Gene Wilder because I would be so angry otherwise. Yeah, I, regardless of which adaptation is more faithful, I think when you, when I think about the spirit of Roald Dahl and what those books meant to me, I feel like I connect more with the Willy Wonka one. And maybe it's just because 
As I watched to that Polar movie Express. as a kid. I read that um, book as a kid, and the other one came out when I was a teenager. Like, yeah, I think there's always going to be that little bit of disconnect, and I think that's my choice. I think the Polar Express is fine. I think it, with the ex- with the exception of like campy Christmas movies, as a kid raised Jewish, I have a little bit of trouble connecting with like attempts at genuine Christmas movies. Yeah. So for me, it's always just been kind of there. So my vote's for Willy Wonka. Okay, so I'm going to go Willy Wonka as well. But I think that Willy Wonka has scared me so much as a child, I'm hesitant <laughs> to be on board with it at all. And not just like the <laughs> stuff. You're traumatized, got some issues here. Or the tunnel stuff was all fine. I never fell for that as a kid. That didn't scare me. I liked all that oh, stuff. That should make me cry. that scares me is at the end when Willy Wonka just starts yelling at Charlie. It's all there, black and white, clear as crystal. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. Oh, that was scary. And I'm like, I hate this. You were my friend for this whole movie until now. And then, so that part, I can't watch that part. The rest of it, I'm not afraid of the Oompa Loompas or anything like that. But I think, and I think the Polar Express is important in its failure because, you know, (laughs) we we talk about the Uncanny Valley is, just that as a concept is defined by the Polar Express. Yeah. The Polar Express then also led, though, to, like, Tintin, which is a really, really good use of mocap. It doesn't look weird. It's so close to looking weird, but it looks really, really good. Even things like Avatar. And, yeah, like, it it, it led to so many interesting things. But it's a Zemeckis joint. Zemeckis joints never quite work. Tom Hanks is fine, but it's Tom Hanks. And I think past that, it's I can kind of throw it away. So um, I'm going with Willy Wonka for now. All right. Well, and... Not that I even need to vote, but Willy Wonka because Polar Express is shit. Well, it sweeps. <laughs> Clean sweep. All right. So the next one? Yep. Okay. The next one is The Iron Giant versus Dune. Two classic remakes <laughs> or classic adaptations <laughs> of some sci-fi movies or sci-fi-ish movies. All right. Iron Giant. Iron Giant. Brad Bird. Oh, I got to go Dune. I love Dune. It's such a weird mess. I tried to read the book after seeing the movie. I just can't do it. I like the movie more. That's because I never read the book. I like how there's no, there's no, not even, did it not make sense because I didn't read the book? Because then I read the book and the movie didn't make more sense. And that made me like it more because the movie has no narrative propulsion. Right. It's just an unrelated number of scenes in a space world we cannot understand. Like, we can't just, like, be uncomfortable for, like, a minute and settle into the scene and go, like, I get this now. We're like, no! There's sandworms. And there's like Roblox fighting at the beginning. <laughs> Sting is in there. That guy to is be all quite honest, blown up. I don't fucking remember that movie, and I know I watched it, Jesse. Because we've seen it together. To yeah, it. yeah. I still <laughs> don't fucking remember it. So yeah, I go with Dune. Oh, I if I were to go with Dune, um, everyone that I'm friends with outside of this podcast would probably yell at me, um, which terrifies me. Similar to Queen of the Damned, I love the movie Dune for. A lot of the reasons Jesse just stated, for personal reasons, I've never read Dune. It was a favorite book of my ex. It's a favorite book of my best friend. And I feel like the pressure to uh, also love it is is pretty high. Yeah. So I've never read Dune. So I kind of just enjoy Dune and slightly less, but Children of Dune as well in a vacuum. Plus David Lynch. Yeah. You not love David Lynch, but I really do have to go with the Iron Giant. Whoa! Iron Giant still makes me cry. Yeah, this one's a squeaker for me. There's no like clear as as, as excited I am about Dune. It's it's hard to choose between those two. And with Dune, I always remember too that this was made because David Lynch almost made Return of the Jedi. 
Mm-hmm. Like, just imagine that this is what Jedi could have looked like. Not only is this what <laughs> Jedi could have looked like, we could have started the movie with Luke, I am your father, ended the movie with Luke, I am your father, and spent two hours listening to white noise. Yeah. You say, like, it's a bad thing. No, I'm, I'm fully... <laughs> look at... Well, podcast can't see my face. Jesse can see my face. I'm ready for that. All right. So next one, Leah. So next one, the matchup they never wa- we never asked for, but uh, probably the greatest thing to think about, Shrek versus the Fault in Our Stars. Yeah. <laughs> Truly so Jess- special. So Jesse and I, in order to prepare for the podcast, made sure that we watched the Fault in Our Stars the other night. Yeah. And oh, yeah, right. we got- Well, what we're talking here is two movies that I think in their moment were an important title shift for pop culture okay. that have maybe not aged great. I think the first Shrek age is great, but remember when you saw Shrek 2? I saw Shrek 2, and I, I've heard this other people, where I would go, came out of that movie going, that was the funniest fucking thing I've ever seen. And oh, God, Shrek 2, yeah. A year later, I'm like, I already don't, it already doesn't work. Like, it, it, we're so, it just, there was that one moment where it worked. And A Fault in Our Stars, it feels like it, it, it pushed that ship out to sea, where now we have movies that are really good that, that wouldn't be around for this. Uh, uh, Love, Simon, mm-hmm. um, all those Netflix teen comedies, mm-hmm. Riverdale. Like, there's so, so many things that I think are good that came out of it that wouldn't have beforehand. You can see the direct line from, even just aesthetically in, in um, Love, Simon, you can see the aesthetic attachment to A Fault in Our Stars mm-hmm. than you can to The Notebook or no, Walk to Remember or Saved by the Bell or those mm-hmm. other sort of teen things in the same genre. So what is your vote? Um, I don't know. Come back to me. All right. Jen? Shrek. Duh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you had seen Fault in Our Stars, right? And had like read it and all that? Of course, yeah. And, um, you know, I have my own like bitter feelings about John Green and all, but so even setting that aside, Shrek is just such an iconic like cultural thing i love it shrek is love shrek is life yeah. God, I hate myself. <laughs> <laughs> so i really wanted to like the fault in our stars jesse kept making a joke about why didn't divergent end up on these and it kind of did because we watched the fault in our stars and it's all the same people yeah um <laughs> so both of these movies to me have very predictable outcomes shrek obviously because it's based on something for kids and is very much for kids the fault in our stars because it's for uh kids that, th- kids that think they're adults and they yes. think they have uh adult problems you can really see where the movie is going at any given point but to be fair, Leah, cancer kind of is an adult problem <laughs> <laughs> juvenile cancer <laughs> fucking dark <laughs> yeah i guess it is <laughs> it is but at the same time like the the moving force in that movie is the love story between a couple of teenagers oh that's hardly there yeah, yeah it, it, it's it's stale and it's dry and then on top of that they think they have adult problems and just like in the way of um just that sense of entitlement that like yeah i I have cancer, therefore you need to treat me like an adult because I'm not going to get to live as an adult. Yeah. And I've, I've never faced a illness 
in that way in my own life. I've never, I've been blessed to not have anybody in my life face that kind of thing. But like the way they expected the, the Willem Dafoe characters, spoiler alert, to, you know, treat them. We've fallen on my issue. Why I can't choose between these two. And that is the Willem Dafoe character. We'll get to you. Yeah, you get your thought But I think I'm going to go with Shrek because I think if you're talking about things that are really obvious and are bound to happen because of the narrative, I think that two movies, and I think the other one is on this list as well, I don't like sickly sweet take on terminal illness. Yeah. Uh, I don't think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and it, it's going to rear its head again because the other one's up there, but the minute you start throwing around illness as a as a defining character trait, I, I turn off. So I, I, I go Shrek. So I'm going to go Shrek right. as well. But Oh, fucking yes, it sweeps. I'm so pleased. But I do think that there's good bones in A Fault in Our Stars. Ansel Elgort is almost doing an all right job. Shailene Woodley is, but the character is written poorly. Yeah. Which we're going to go back to, I think, when we get to Fifty Shades. I also think The Fault in Our Stars gets a lot of shit it doesn't deserve. I do think Leah's point is right, though, that, you know, turning a terminal illness into, like, a sickly sweet love story is kind of gross, but, like... Kind of obvious, too. Yeah. Well, and then, and then, but I'm going to say, though, my only reason why I almost went with The Fault in Our Stars was Willem Dafoe in that movie. I didn't know he was in that movie, and I think I can count on one hand, like, good performances in movies where an actor's supposed to be playing drunk. Cause it's really easy to get really hammy with it and like be like stumbling and stuff like that. But the trick to a good d- drunk performance is you're supposed to be replicating the way a drunk would be trying to act not drunk. Yes. Oh my God. I was going to say, Oh, you're right, Jesse. So I think they did that well in the hunger games. He does well. that. Yeah. Oh yeah. That was really good in that oh, too. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so Willem Dafoe is just a good actor, but him just doing that scene as like the drunk author, even though it really made no sense in that movie. I thought was a, one of the better drunk performances I've seen on, on film. So, but I'm going with Shrek just because it's Shrek. And I will say the other thing, as much as we make fun of the teenagers thing, I think part of my aversion to the fault in our stor- stars and that type of YA is that when I was a teenager and I wanted to read stories about teenagers trying to assert their independence, they weren't there. All right. Moving Shrek, on. Shrek wins. All right. Next. Jesse's real, real struggle here. It's not, but... Yeah, I have interesting thoughts about it, yeah. Okay. Minority Report versus Ready Player One. It's Spielberg v. Spielberg. Mm-hmm. So is there any reason why Minority Report doesn't win? Yes. Um, Ready Player One has a lot of good things going on in it. Mark Rylance is really, really good in it. Um, some of the set pieces... Because it's not the source material and it's... It, he, well, it doesn't matter. I haven't read the book, so that's all I can go off of. Uh, some of the set pieces are really good. Um, what I'm thinking of is the, the shining scene in the middle. Uh, yeah, I like yeah. The, the sequence in the middle where they go through The Shining. That's fun. I can't... That part is really fun, but I can't forgive the Iron Giant yes. actually being a fucking yeah. battle weapon. Sorry, but... No, I'm going to go Minority Report because <laughs> I like that movie a lot, and I think it's really good, and there's a lot of great stuff in it. And I saw it when I was, like, a kid and was getting into movies, and it really helped propel that. But I think Ready Player One is a solid, yeah. like, B-, minus. but there's some good parts in it. Ready Player One was pretty shit, but it was fun. Um, I still vote Minority Report. I do, too. It's just like, that shit is Leah? dumb. Uh, minority Report. Minority Report. Yeah. I refuse to let the toxic masculinity of Ready Player One continue. Not that Minority Report is any better. Well, no, there's, that's that's not so toxic. The thing is that bothers me Ready Player One is they don't talk about how that is that what the internet is. They just kind of ignore it. And T.J. Miller's in it, which is a... Um, 
That was, yeah, interesting. All right, so the next one we have is The Devil Wears Prada versus It. So I like that mashup. That's a fun one. Fuck. Yeah. (laughs) Why'd those two get paired? That's just how the numbers work. One is about a scary clown, and the other is about Pennywise. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. Don't you dare ever disrespect No, I was talking about Sayo Chuchi. Stanley Tooch? <laughs> Touch yeah. the Tooch. I gotta go Eat Pray. Uh, not Eat Pray, sorry. I gotta go uh, Devil Wears Prada. Oh. See, I'm with Jesse on this one. Devil Wears Prada. That movie was like, I don't know, man. It was so fun. I fucking love Meryl Streep. She's a goddess. It just unsettled <laughs> me. I hate it. It's it, the worst. No, and especially, I'm assuming we're all talking about the most recent it adaptation. Oh, if it was the TV movie. I would have gone all the way with that. I love that TV movie. Oh no. I, I think that, well, I think that TV movie is bonkers. I like John Ritter. Truly. That's all it is. I, I think my choice is it My far and away. I think that it will endure a lot longer than the devil wars Prada. I think we'll get, I think you're right. It is more enduring. It's more iconic, but I just can't get over how bad it made me feel. And that, but that's the thing is I think that the Devil Wears Prada makes you eh, kind of uncomfortable with reading women's fashion magazines, but ultimately redeems them. And I think that it makes you very uncomfortable and does not try to apologize for it. So it is, I agree with Leah, more iconic, more enduring, but I still choose Devil Wears Prada because, again, Meryl Streep is a legend. We can't I think there's it. a thing to be said, too, how both like reignited sort of a feel for... The romantic comedy, though that's not a romantic comedy, which is very important. Yeah, it's um, not. But it has that uh, yeah, similar the same feel language. where it's uh, fluffy yeah. almost. It's just playful. And I don't want to discredit movies that are playful. I don't like have that, any you know? discredit for Devil Wears Prada. I do. I really enjoy the Devil Wears Prada. But when I think about movies are more. I, mean, I think you're right that most people are going to. You're going to make oh, Jen change her vote. She already voted. Oh, no. I, I mean, I'm just saying that I think that Leah is right. You know, like her reasoning for it is probably what most people feel, but I just, I can't get over it. My gut is telling me devil wears Prada. And that makes sense. All right. So the next one is fantastic. Mr. Fox versus a wrinkle in time. And that's the latest wrinkle in time, right? Uh, Ava DuVernay, Oprah Winfrey, uh, Chris Pine. Is that the right? Chris. Wreath Witherspoon. Witherspoon. I'm handsome. I get this. Chris is mixed up. Uh, Michael Pena. Michael Pena. Yeah, how long were you like waiting for him to show up? Because he really shows up last, what, 10 minutes or something? For, like, not even that long. I. An FMF is the, the Wes Anderson one, right? Because I think oh, there's yeah. another adaption or an animated one. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I really wanted to like A Wrinkle in Time. I think I liked watching the movie, but I have such a deep connection with those books. I think I've read probably all of the Wrinkle in Time books, or if not all of them, most of them. And the movie is markedly different than the book, right? Yes. The book is pretty much unfilmable. That's what I heard, yeah. And I think the movie does a good job of capturing the essence of the book, like the spirit of the book, even if it's not a great adaptation of the book. Which is the opposite of the Fantastic Mr. Fox. I think the Fantastic Mr. Fox throws the spirit of the book out the window and not faithfully, but clo- more closely adapts the story. But the spirit is very much Wes Anderson's. All is not miles away from Wes Anderson, though. No, 
But it's... Uh, they both hate children, I assume. I think that's it, right? I don't remember. I just remember loving all of his like little quotes that circled the internet. That, that's my relationship with him. I gotta go FMF, though. That's also one of my favorites. It just, it's fun. It's funny. It, I thought A Wrinkle in Time was really good. I think there was things there. I think the larger thing that they kind of sold to us about it was that it was a step forward for women directors, women of color directors, um, representation, uh, colorblind casting, Zach Galifianakis. Um, <laughs> but, and I think there's a lot of like really pretty stuff in there. And what I, I remember mostly is not the movie, but like just the, the landscapes, mm-hmm. um, Witherspoon's hair and stuff like that. Uh, every time you put Oprah in a movie is a treat. Cause she doesn't act very often and you always forget she kind of can. She's pretty yeah. good. That's good and all, but I like Fantastic Mr. Fox. I go with Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yeah, and I guess I'm kind of similar to you guys where I want Wrinkle in Time to be really good, but it's not quite there. So Fantastic Mr. Fox, I'm Wes Anderson trash. Yeah, I think that's I think that's pretty much to be expected from us. But I will I will say this. I think there was a lot of uh negativity for the Wrinkle in Time movie that it didn't deserve. It's yeah, it's still not bad, it's not I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people really railed on that one. And I'm like, okay, it wasn't that bad, guys. Chill. Even on that, <laughs> I think a lot of people think back on the source material and don't realize how metaphysical it is. Yeah. And how it's it, it really isn't meant to be adapted. Yeah. And I want to say that it's just because we were all so hopeful that there's probably other factors. That, that was one of the latest movies I saw where I decided I did want to go to reclining theaters. Yeah. you Because I had to sit next to a child. And we both had to recline in our things. I didn't know the child. It was a stranger's child. And we're both reclined. And it just feels a little too like much like we're laying in the same bed together. And it's a strange kid. I don't know them. They don't want to be sitting next to me as much as I don't want to be sitting next to them. Everyone loses in this situation. So that kind of marked a wrinkle in time for me a little bit. <laughs> I fucking love your environmental factor here. That this has nothing to do with I say you love it until you have to go to a fucking movie theater with him. And, then and that t- movie theater has, the when I saw that it has, the aisle lights are too bright. I have to put blinders on. I had to have my hand up. <laughs> All right. Next pairing. Leah, you want to introduce this one? The Wizard of Oz versus Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Now, because we're dealing with movies, we are dealing with the... the the, the movie, the Alan Rickman, yep. most F. Yep, not the BBC miniseries. Yeah, the Martin Freeman one, yeah. I didn't even know there was a BBC miniseries. Oh, my God. People really like it, right? It's Yeah, good, it's right? got, like, culty status to it. It's yeah. pretty delightful. Oh, my God. I'm going to look that up after this, guys. So, for me, I, I just think Wizard of Oz, it's just a solid, good, nostalgic, solid film. Um, Hitchh- Hitchhiker's Guide is something that, like, I mean, I remember watching it at work with my coworkers, and it, um, like, we did like a special day, and it was just like fucking hilarious because we could all make fun of it together. But that's mm-hmm. what that movie's like experience is making fun of it. So it's like, fuck no, that's not winning. Wizard of Oz. <laughs> uh, I had no, I've not read Hitchhiker's Guide, so I went into the movie with no expectations. Uh, same as I did before I went into Scott Pilgrim, which could have been on this list just as easily as anything else. And um, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know the source material. And I was very, very pleased because these ideas were all things I were seeing for the first time. Like, you know, oh, a depressed robot. That's very funny. Never seen that before. Never heard of that before because I didn't read the book. So it was all original thoughts that I had not known about. And I really was really very impressed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Sam Rockwell's doing something in that movie that we still are trying to figure out. Yeah, it's called Being Sam Rockwell. Um, but yeah, Wizard of Oz is just kind of inarguable. 
I think I've seen it too many times. Um, but I'll go, I'll go Hitchhiker's Guide then. I was about to say, Alan Rickman most deaf Sam Rockwell. Hitchhiker's Guide. Oh, wow. You're going with that one, too? Yeah, all the way. Oh, sorry, Jen. So, my, and and I will clarify this. I like The Wizard of Oz, but I think at this point, like, the book and the movie has all been sort of left behind for me for Wicked. I am a huge, huge fan of Wicked the musical, Wicked the book. Not so much the, like, sequels to Wicked that they came up with. Those weren't great. But... The original Wicked, both the you know very dark book and then obviously the sellout smash Broadway sensation musical, I love. And I think that while, yes, those don't exist without both the movie success and the book success of The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, I just think that they have completely eclipsed that, at least for me. So that's why I got yeah. the checker's guide. Also, Dolphin singing so long and thanks for all the fish. So yeah. yeah. How? How do you compete with that? You don't. For me, Hitchhiker is like, I agree. Alan Rickman, for example, is the sad robot. Very good. But those are all like, for me, like secondary or tertiary characters that were really good. The leads are a fucking bore. Oh my God. What's Freeman and Mostef are like the leads or is it just Freeman? Dishnell. Oh, is she in that movie? Unfortunately. Hmm. Jen she could have convinced me to switch my vote. And I'm not anti her at all. I think she's great, but she was not good in this movie for me. I forgot she was in that movie. I might have to switch for the reasons that <laughs> Leah said why she chose against it. I'm switching. Yeah, I'm going to <laughs> Wizard of Oz. Fuck what? yeah, win! That one's moving on. What? What? <laughs> uh, the only rule is that there's no rules, so I can't argue with this. Uh, All right, well. next matchup. Jane Eyre versus Where the Wild Things Are. That's Where the Wild Things Are, the Spike Jones movie from yep. last few years, and then the Jane Eyre one. Like Corey Fukunawa, yeah, the more recent one? Yeah, the second one. Fukunawa adaptation on this list. With, uh, I always forget how to say her name. Mia Wasikowska. Mia, Mia, Mike, Mia Mike Wazowski. Mike Wazowski. All right, so Jen, what do you think with those two? Um, so for me, this one's kind of tough because both of them are movies I liked. And well, Where the Wild Things Are was definitely like unsettling and like messed oh, with my head in a way that was kind of fun. Whereas Jane Eyre, I want to pick Jane Eyre because it's an iconic book that I love, but there were issues with that movie that I think the movie was like solid, but like I can't get over the casting because they were fucking hot. And in the book, <laughs> the characters are fucking monsters and hideous. And that's like actually important to the storytelling. Like it's important that these people are not beautiful. Yeah, isn't Jane Eyre's so like plainness like a. Yeah, and it's not just plainness. It's like a polite way of putting that she was ugly. She was not beautiful at all in any way. And so, like, to overlook that when it was so important to her, like, sense of identity and, like, also, I don't know, it's just, like, sometimes appearance can be overlooked for me with movies because they're always going to try to make people beautiful. But this time I was, like, it's kind of, like, a kind of like a key thing about this. Story. Oh, yeah, no, it was just hotties on parade. Well, what I thought was weird, too, now that I'm thinking about that is Corey Fukunawa mixed horror movies there's more of like a ghost story element to that movie than there is a lot of the adaptations but i don't remember bertha at all in it so he fucked up the bertha part the most important part of the whole fucking book yeah you know yeah and i think the movie though it's at the same time it is really beautiful i kind of want to pick it just because when i watched it like i really love period pieces i really love like regency's shit so like is that regency would that Anyway, it's something. Um, I think it's gothic. Would that I be just the, like that. I like that realm. It's not so, so. Regency is a time period. Gothic isn't. Yeah, that's what I thought. 
I think I will choose Jane Eyre because in the <laughs> end I remember it better than I remember where the wild things are, which I think means it made a bigger impression. Uh-huh. See, I I more remember where the wild things are. Yeah. I think that it really melded well with the book. I think it... If you want to talk about adapting the feeling of the book versus adapting like the literal translation of the book, this is like the way to do it. Oh, yeah. But also it's it's definitely one of those books that my dad liked reading to me. I will thoroughly enjoy reading to my child. And I think the movie falls at this really nice place in the middle where you can appreciate being a child and hearing the story and you can, you know, dream about being an adult telling the story or if you are an adult Uh you can appreciate being an adult and having told the story and I think that the movie captures that really well. I also saw with my dad and I cried like a baby so. Yeah that's the thing that movie does is hey do you have parents? This movie's gonna make you sad do you not have parents? This movie's gonna make you sad like (laughs) there's no there's no way it doesn't talk to you because it's just about parents and how weird parents are just the idea of having parents is and how there's no way to not feel weird about it yeah because it's yeah. weird Catherine keener's in it i love Catherine keener in anything i think that jane Eyre is interesting i think it looks pretty which is i think an important part about that doing that book right is there's a lot of a really um, internal ethereal sort of stuff going on i think they biffed yeah, birth of the um, landscapes yeah yeah art was good mm-hmm. when i saw that movie we were in a we were in the minor theater in Arcata, which is the oldest movie theater in the United States made just for movies. And there's a balcony and a downstairs. And I was on the balcony and there was a woman in the front row of the balcony and she was fa- asleep, which was fine. And she stood up and dazed from being asleep or something like that, moved towards the edge of the balcony and almost fell off, like truly had like two legs up and then like adjusted her balance to come back down, realized what had happened and then pulled her pants down and went to the bathroom on the floor. <laughs> Um, oh my god Arcata everyone um, and I don't remember that's that not ha- where I thought that story was going at all <laughs> and, what uh, that didn't happen during where the wild things are it's not not a kids movie but I don't quite know what it is but I still like that movie a lot so that's where my vote goes to that's well. where my vote goes alright fair enough alright and then up next we have the romantic powerhouses crazy rich Asians versus the notebook yeah you know Y'all heard my opinions on using terminal illness as a romantic subplot. I hate the notebook. You count that with the notebook, though? Because that's oh, just the framing devices that she has I dementia, right? so mad. But the entire, like, the whole point is that you're so invested in it, and then it uses her Alzheimer's as a way to, like, sell you on how this is the greatest fucking thing ever. And I think it is cheap. I think it is gross. It's basically just at the end of it being like, it was all a dream. <laughs> not to mention, it's not a great love story to begin with. Though, I think The Notebook is fine. I think much like A Fault in Our Stars, it it created a language, a, a, a filmic language that wasn't there before. Maybe not for the best, but at least it did something, you know. I don't think that doing something is necessarily enough, though. I don't think it is either. My vote's for Crazy Rich Agents because I think it works really well. The book is different. I read the book on this one. But I think the differences they make in the movie do not detract from the book. And it's hard to go, oh, it's a better book or a movie because they're both different things. The book, the changes in the movie do not violate anything in the book. I think it's, they all make sense. Um, And I, I really like that movie. And that would be where I would vote for yeah, my vote is with Crazy Rich Asians, mostly because I hate the notebook, but also because I 
I really like Crazy Rich Asians. I thought that was such a fun movie to experience in theaters. It felt like you were watching like a big, like, you know, the play at the end of Moulin Rouge that's supposed to be taking place and it's all these like intricate lights and costumes. And th- like, that's what I felt like I was watching, watching Crazy Rich Asians. I was just like, wow. Yeah. Also, I think like right before we had watched Crazy Rich Asians, we had watched uh, Lust Caution. So the language of Mahjong and that whole Mahjong thing was like, oh, snap. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, that's where my vote goes. What about you, Jen? So I vote Crazy Rich Asians because I felt like it was a better story. Just just hands down. Uh, I mean, I don't hate The Notebook, though. I actually do see what Leah's saying. And I've never thought about that with The Notebook before. So I watched it when I was so young. I have an idea. My instinct was to actually vote for The Notebook um, because it's so iconic for that kind of like rom-com or whatever romantic drama like genre. Yeah, and I think that's a bad thing. That actually makes sense. Um, So I was going to vote for that. But when I really think about it, Crazy Rich Asians is just fun and better. All right, so the next one, uh, which I don't even know where anything is going to go with this one, but Fight Club versus Dracula. And we're talking about... uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. The Francis Ford Coppola joint. Ford Coppola joint. FCF. The Keanu is in that? FCF. Francis Coppola Ford. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, that's Keanu. Keanu. Right? Uh, Gary Oldman, Winona Ryder. And she plays she plays Mary Harkness, right? Is Van Helsing in that movie? Yes, played by Anthony Hopkins. Oh, Hopkins, that's right. Oh, all right. Carrie Ulls. Ulls. Oh, Robin Hood? From yeah. Rob Hummel and Tights? Yeah. Well, yeah. I vote for Fight Club because I just felt like they filmed that. They told that story in a fun way. The subliminal messages were when I was young, creative. And I was like, oh, my God. You know, as an adult, I'm like, that's kind of dumb. But as a kid, that was fucking dope. And when I say as a kid, I mean over 18, of course. <laughs> it's really hard to to separate Fight Club as a, a movie or a book and then, like, what it kind of means past that to dumb people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a lot of Fincher movies have that issue similar to the Matrix, you know, where, yeah, there's the Matrix and there's what every like dumb MRA says about it, which they, that's not connected, but it's hard to hard to divide uh, the two. Yeah, I see what you're saying, though. Like, I think that that, that Fight Club is probably one of the most ha- has been the most damaging movie to a lot of men our age. Because that yeah. idea of, like, they don't take the, the flaws of Tyler Durden into any kind of account. And a lot of that is just because Pitt is so good in that movie and so cool in that movie. Yeah. No, 100 Like, if they had a less capable actor, like, the world might be better. <laughs> in, in yeah, I think they kind of just, like, missed the point. But that's the thing. In both sides of the role, they really had Ed Norton who can really, like, shrink himself. Oh, he can play damaged. Yeah, yeah, really shrink himself down to nothing. And then Brad Pitt, who is basically, you know, Peacock McGee. It, it's really hard to, to want to, in the end, combine those two characters into what they really are. Meatloaf has boobs in that movie, though. <laughs> I got to go with Dracula, though. I like that movie a lot. I think Fight Club is very interesting, and I always kind of forget that it's so old, when I, oh, relatively, when I mm-hmm. think about it, because the way it looks and the sequences they use, it almost feels like it was done digitally, and it, it had all these things going on in it. I like that they, they use the pixies at the end. I think that's a very kind of interesting ending. But yeah, I think the Dracula movie is just, it's weird, it's long, it's dense, it's dark. We couldn't put Young Frankenstein on the list, so I got to go with that movie because that's as close I think as we can get to. I say Dracula, the book, and that adaptation of Dracula are, are some of my favorites. I think I would vote for it 
just purely for that red dress that they put Winona in. But on top of that, like that aside, I really, really liked that it was not just an homage to the book itself, but it was also an homage to Nosferatu and the, all those Christopher Lee Dracula, mm-hmm, Christopher Lee Dracula, all, mm-hmm, all of it. It was very much a love letter to horror movies. Because yeah, if we're going to say writing. that Fight Club is inexplic- inextricable from what it's become in the culture, Dracula and the source material and what all the adaptions, you can't pull those apart at all. You can't get back. Because also, what's what's a movie based on the original Dracula? It's told in letters. You know, like, <laughs> the book is not fabulous, really. I think a lot of the adaptations are better than the book. Um, I don't think that's a bad book. I just think it's it, kind of, it spins its wheels a Wait, lot. Wait, you mean that Bram Stoker slut-shaming his wife with a novel about vampires is not a good book? And it definitely reads like, you can read it and go like, this guy only wrote one book, right? And you're like, yeah, he just wrote this thing and it's all in telegrams, right? Not all, but yeah. And there's that, that ramp up to the climax. And then all the climax is, is Dracula goes boo. And then they kill him. Like there's no fight or talking or anything like that, but it's like twilight. Yeah. yeah just like it. Uh-huh. <laughs> the exact same. Right. So yeah, I go with Dracula. I, so I don't like Chuck Palahniuk. I think his writing is gross. I think his, his, his women characters are atrocious, but I do think that, that adaptation, anything Fincher has adapted has actually been pretty good. Um, I don't and, know who made it. I know Clark Gregg wrote it, but the, the version of adaptation of Choke uh-huh. with Rockwell in it is really good too. But that's another one like with the Brad Pitt where, you know, I'll watch Sam Rockwell lead us all off the cliff, but yeah. I don't think it should have happened in the first place. All right. So the next one is, oh, this one. Um just sort of dueling sex fantasies, Stand By Me and <laughs> Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> so I, I had to choose Stand By Me because Fifty Shades of Grey fucking sucks. It's like a genuinely terribly made movie. And that's not even like because like, ah, oh, like Fifty Shades, I'm talking trash about everything, like the thing that everyone hates. It genuinely doesn't hold up. It's like very bad. watched it last night and I'm like, I am going to try to find something in this movie that i can at least be like yeah this definitely deserves a fight it doesn't nope nope stand by me right that's what happened it's like i really tried to give it a chance because i wanted to yeah. be contrary to like the popular opinion I'm yeah shit. but honestly it i was sucks. hoping it would like at least like look nice no it didn't look nice and and dakota johnson is charming she's very she has she's holding all of the weight yeah. for that movie uh, and doing a, a pretty good job with it. The scene where they are kind of flirtily like talking over the contract in his office. Was oh, that was like the fun. one scene where they were flirting. That was yeah. kind of funny. And that was basically Dakota Johnson's funny and Christian Grey in that is like a weird robot man. Like he could have, that could have been made by like ILM, like an ILM robot. Yeah, what was the, who was the man that was originally going to play Christian Grey? He was gay and he was. Oh, Charlie Hunnam. Yeah, so- from, uh, from Sons of Anarchy? Let's, let it me was, this up. I know that it was like a really popular, handsome man, and he was declined because he's gay. And I thought about, I thought about it ever since because if he had been cast in that role, that movie would have been halfway decent. Yeah, you the know. guy who they cast—I forget his name already. He just just such a bad casting for that role, just so bad. Oh, it wasn't Charlie Hunnam? It was Garrett Hedlund. Oh, wait. oh Garrett Hedlund. I like Garrett Hedlund. Oh no, it was both. It was originally Charlie Hunnam. Garrett Hedlund was considered. He's not gay, right? No. 
Uh, Ian Summerhalder and Chase Crawford of CW Fame. These are all better ideas. Said that they wanted to do it. Oh, yeah. Everyone wanted to do it. Uh-huh. Um, let's see. Instead, they got polished Anton Yelchin to do it. Yeah. Alex, rest in peace. I know, but that guy looks just like him, but like a little cleaner. Um, let's see. They wanted Alexander Skarsgård, which would have been... Oh, that would have yes. been interesting. He's I don't know though. I don't know if he'd be right for that role. I don't know if he'd be right for that role. Uh What's Theo a badly James written role? From Divergent? Who? Uh he played 4. Oh. Oh yeah, 4. Yeah. Well, fuck that. Scott Eastwood? That would have been good. I would have liked that. Squint in the whole Matt Bomer. Uh-huh. Oh. Um, he's so handsome though. Matt Boner. I don't know who that is. Who is he's that? He's from uh is it Suits or White Collar? Uh, one of those shows. Yeah. He was oh, in oh, Magic Mike. Yeah, that would have been good. Yeah, he was yeah, really no, handsome. He's he would have been so handsome. good. And he's very playful. And like, just he would have like embodied it in a way that made him likable, not weird and like robotic and kind of freaky. Well, and he came from... His TV show was about like white collar crimes. Yeah. So like he could play that like cold businessman. But make him a warm human underneath. Yeah. yeah, since when do you need to be straight to play a straight guy? So, yeah, but ass. for my vote in this Neil bracket, Patrick Harris in this he's in Gone Girl, yeah. In this bracket situation, so I've not read either of the books. So right now, my idea is um, damage reduction. What is more harmful, Stand by Me or Fifty Shades? I gotta go with Fifty Shades because that disgusting baby boomers fifty nostalgia bullshit has ruined the world. <laughs> And, you know, do the fucking Sandlot. Make it fun. I don't care if Will Wheaton sees a dead body. Like, I get it. Things were simpler back then. Jerry O'Connell was chubby. He's not now. Times change. I'm going with Fifty Shades just to be contrary. All right. (laughs) Just so we know that I'm going to go out there and put on record. Stand by me. It's cute and warm, but at what cost? (laughs) But at what cost? Yeah, I was about to say, I have to go with Stand by me. Because if you want to talk about more damaging this hyper-sexualized, possessive man being not just okay, but the hero and someone that you want, A, for yourself to end up with and for your protagonist to end up with. No, like, that needs to go. There's a way to make that movie and have it not... And it wouldn't have made any of the money it made. It wouldn't have appealed to the same audience that read the book, but you shifted into just American Psycho, and it's this weird psychosexual thing where you're not supposed to like the guy and yeah. you see all of his manipulation. I was going to say something and... similar where if they had made it as dark and un- unsettling as it really is, that might have actually worked yeah. as a story. And I think it would have been popular with a different audience to see it, like see the horror of it. But the writer, Stephanie Meyer, I think, no, no, the, that's fucking Twilight. E.L. James. Oh yeah. E.L. James, the writer, she, she was really controlling and wouldn't let people adapt it or change much. Yeah, she's a she has a producer credit on yeah, that. Yeah, she was genuine like a, super involved. every time I've ever researched it or looked into it at all, she was like a, a monster on set and was like really un like cooperative and would not accept that film is different than books and she wouldn't let things change. And so honestly I feel really bad for the directors and actors who were involved and like all the different like creative entities because they probably had ideas for how to make it work and she wouldn't let them stand by me he's moving on jerry o'connell rivers phoenix rest in peace the next one we Will have Eden. is a uh, gone girl versus the chronicles of narnia <laughs> so is that all the movies they've made so far because yes. they've made like three it's the right? series yeah. yeah that's and uh i don't have very warm and fuzzy feelings about chronicles of narnia now if it was but, the if it was the 
the BBC one, I'd go for it because those are good. Oh, there's so many BBC things I don't know about that are so. Yeah, cool. we could have just done this with BBC adaptation. That's a yeah. That, that's for the next that's time. A separate but yeah, I just I thought it was all over the place, with the exception of their casting choices. I thought that that was super on point for the Chronicles of Narnia, and they just who is the like witch? Um, it's Cape. It's not Cape Blanchett. It's not is Cape it? Blanchett. It's Tilda. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. knew it was some British actress. But then the lion is Liam Neeson. <laughs> Jesus lion is Liam Neeson. Yeah, there was that weird part where, um, where uh, what's the lion's name? Aslan. Aslan talked about wanting to rip up a, a black guy. You remember that? What? I'm going to find you in whatever <laughs> world these rings take you to, and I'm going to kill you. <laughs> um, you don't remember? That was a, Liam Neeson said that recently in an interview that he... Wants to kill a black man, um, and it ruined. Hopefully, it ruins his career, but we'll see. My votes for Gone Girl. I've not seen it, but oh, I thought you've not seen I it, have but you still vote for it. Honestly, I like Affleck. I like Rosemary DeWitt. Now, who's in that? I don't remember. For me, it's just like Gone Girl was such a fucking amazing book, and it's different. It's different than the movie because you are you're shown what's happening through. Oh, I don't even remember the name of the girl who's gone, but the Gone Girl. The gone girl, you, the titular Gone Girl. You see her like perspective. Oh, it's just amazing that book. Even if you didn't love the movie, you need to read the book or listen to an audiobook. I don't care. It was so fucking good. And the movie was. I saw it before I read the book. Oh. And I loved it. But now after reading the book, the movie is like so not good enough for that book. But I still choose it. <laughs> yeah, Gillian Flynn helped write that, I think, and I know she also wrote Widow, so she knows how to adapt things. I think to to film a little bit and knows that things have to be different, but it doesn't mean you have to lose anything. Yeah, right. There's no way to make that book as perfect on screen because a lot of what they do is like uh, writing techniques that are not translatable onto the screen. So yeah. longer all the way because I love the book and I love the movie. But it did manage to at least translate the feeling. Like, so even though you can't film specific things that, that a whole, un- the uncertainty of everything, I think really trans was actually translated well. So what's so, your vote for Leah? Gone girl. That's another Fincher joint, right? Uh, I think he, I think that's one of his like paycheck movies. If it wasn't, it was meant to look like a Fincher movie. Yeah. All right. So next is The Princess Bride and Eat, Pray, Love. Oh God, Princess Bride. <laughs> Can we movie. just? Jesus Christ! Y'all need to let me go. I do not like that movie, and I do not like that book. <laughs> Set me free. My favorite movie of all time is Mrs. Doubtfire. Putting it on record. <laughs> um. When, when Eat, Pray, Love came out, Jen didn't want to buy the book, but we went on a lot of Target runs all the time, so we would go to the Target, and she would get the book, and she would read it while we were there and then put it back. <laughs> I don't remember that, but I believe you. Or maybe that's when you were working there, too, or something, and you would like read it on your breaks and oh, then put it back I on the remember. shelf. I do remember. Not even on my breaks. I would read books while I was working, because fucking working at Target sucks. She was yeah. one of the cell phone people, and those people, yeah. you know, back oh, in the day could do whatever yeah, they wanted. cell phones, and, like, there's nothing to do most of the time, because who the fuck buys their cell phone at Target, okay? Yeah, yeah. I looked, but they didn't have a good enough deal. Uh, when I think about that movie, I think of that scene, that one shot where uh, Julie Roberts is in Italy, and she's eating a whole pizza to herself. And there's, it just slowly zooms in on her, and she does the Julia Roberts smile, but her mouth is closed, and it's the smuggest thing I've ever seen in my goddamn life. And I like Julia Roberts, too, but the way that, like, that character is done in that scene is, we're all supposed to be like, look at her. She's so brave. She's eating a pizza. 
the way she looks is like it looks like she just farted and it was just like so happy that she's Honestly, just like crop yeah. dusting. I read cool. the whole book and the book actually made me angry in a lot of ways because of similar things like just the fact that she was supposed to be brave because she ate pasta and gained 10 pounds and like she was yeah. so happy that a man loved her even though she had 10 pounds. This is a thin woman who has maybe a touch of weight on her and she's like, "Oh, like Brazilian men love women with a little bit of uh, like softness to them." I'm so Oh, that's lucky. gross. And I'm just yeah. like, "Fuck this shit." Like this is so fucking privileged weird shit. I do not relate to this at all. I hate this. See, I went the other way with Julia Roberts. I feel like compared to the book Julia Roberts got me on board with some of those things. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Where it's just like, oh, but she's so happy. Like, similar to how you were proclaiming that Meryl Streep is a goddess and we should all bow down for the one true queen, which we should. I'm not arguing that. If I'm going to go on a journey of self-discovery and learn something about myself along the way, it's going to be with Julia Roberts. Yeah, it's such a hard sell if you're not living the same exact life as that character. And I think Roberts did the most that anyone could ever do. I think only other alternative was like, you put Laura Dern in there. I might follow her a little further, but it has to be someone who like, I'm already bringing so much appreciation to from the outside. Yeah. Where as in the princess bride, you don't need to bring anything about any of those people with you. And then, but then all the actors are all so good. So you don't need that because the characters are so good. And then Patinkin's Patinkin, uh, uh, Robin Wright Penn, right? Mm-hmm. Robin Wright, sorry. Uh, Wallace Shaw is in there. Andre the Giant. Like, there's so much, so much shit to a movie that doesn't need it. That is has its own legs. Yeah, no. <laughs> and uh, what's her name? Um, uh, from Kimmy Schmidt. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Titus, I meant. <laughs> Run, Lynn. Uh huh. And so my vote would be for that too because yeah. I think it's just good too. I haven't read the book though. Does anybody know anything about the book? Supposedly, I read it. I don't fucking remember it though, but it was, I remember the movie being super good. So it's, it's I tried reading the book, um, but that movie is just so like, I know I, I have people that have read the book that really like the book more than the movie, but every time I've tried to read it, I can't get over the movie. Like the movie is so strong in my head. Harry Potter is the opposite. So like Harry Potter, the way I remember Harry Potter from reading it still outshines the way I think of the movies, Yeah, but not so much with, I can't separate the movie enough when I go to read The Princess Bride. Because that, that's a classic movie. Joseph, what's your vote for, Jen? Princess Bride. Princess Bride. All right, so we're down to the last couple here. Yeah, we're down to the last few of them. Home Sweats. Home Stretch. Home... Home Sweats. Wait. Oh, yes. We do have a couple more. So the next is Gone with the Wind and The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. We're not going with The Fincher Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. We're going uh, Swedish, is it? Yes. This one's tough for me because I didn't feel strongly about either of these, including the Swedish version. I am going to choose The Girl with the Dragon. Uh, I'm going to choose Gone with the Wind because it's like, I don't fucking know. You guys go first. What about you, Leah? So I'm going to go with Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I Both of these movies left me feeling exhausted at the end of it. Yeah. Um, To the point where like I just wanted to be alone after watching girl with the dragon tattoo yeah i wanted to just sleep after gone with the wind because it's so long um but i think that there is if you watch a movie first and then go back and read the book i think i got more enjoyment doing that with girl with the dragon tattoo than i did with gone with the wind okay yeah that's really it so your your votes for girl with dragon tattoos yep okay i actually ended up reading those books and i i liked them until 
the author mysteriously died and someone else kept writing them. That's just, a little weird. Um, I don't even like that in fantasy books. So if George R. R. Martin doesn't finish Game of Thrones, yeah, I don't care what happens in the end. Uh, I don't know which one to go for. I I don't know if I've truly seen either. It's hard to kind of escape the shadow of Gone with the Wind. Also, it's hard to escape the problematic shadow of Gone with the Wind. I like all of the things that are in response to Gone with the Wind from, you know, uh, from the book Jubilee to Black Klansman was last year. To Carol Channing. Carol Channing. Did she respond to Gone with the Wind? Who am I thinking of? Carol Burnett. Carol Burnett. Carol Burnett. Oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot all about that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I guess my vote has to go to Gone with the Wind, too. Uh, I, I Yeah. I guess just because it's Gone with the Wind. It's... You know, be like if it was Titanic versus something else. You kind of just have to go to Titanic just because it's Titanic. Do you, though? Well, I did, so I don't know if you have to, but I am. And then I believe our our final matchup is Silence of the Lambs versus Les Mis. And because we're not going from stage plays, with the exception of uh, West Side Story, we are going off of the... Uh, Les Mis with Liam Neeson and Jeffrey Rush. It's a movie that I watched a bajillion times. Uh, I haven't seen that truly, um, but I I do like that John Mulaney sketch where the lobster sings Les Mis songs. <laughs> so um, I'm actually surprised Les Mis made the list, but because it's a play, right? But um, no, it's a it's a book. It's, it's a it's a book. Victor Hugo, right? Yep. Oh, yeah, is it? Yeah, it's like 1,400 pages yeah. long. Well, it's long. excuse my ignorance then, but I was going <laughs> to vote for Les Mis. Um, the way it made me feel was just, can't describe that theater experience. I didn't expect, I didn't know what that movie was going to be like, and it made me cry. Um, and it's never made me cry since when I tried to watch it at my house or something, but that theater experience was amazing. So I'm giving it my fucking vote. And, you know, Silence of the Lambs, you can't... I only recently saw that for the first time two weeks ago. Oh, wow. For the very first time. And it was good, but there are some things that do not hold up. <laughs> so I was also kind of, like, thrown off. Definitely, like, suddenly aware that I'm watching a movie and not as, like you know, in it. So it's good, but I, and I see why it's famous and enduring, but Les Mis, I guess for me. Is that where your vote goes to Leah? To Les Mis? Yeah. Absolutely not. Okay. Oh, I think Silence of the Lambs is a amazing movie. And if you want to talk about it as part of a series, I think that between that and Red Dragon, it redeems the two Hannibal and Hannibal Rising that completely fall flat. Not talking about the TV show. Yeah. But no, I think that Silence of the Lambs is so terrifying. Obviously, it has it really a is. lot of... Yeah, obviously, it has issues with its trans representation because... Oh, I didn't even think about that. I always just assumed... Right. And I think that, especially if you try to read any of the the books that it's based on... Are they not great? They're not good. Uh, that's kind of what I assumed because there's so many adaptations because Silence of the Lambs isn't even the first adaptation there's there's manhunter mm-hmm. for that and i imagine other small things red here and there dragon is that right yeah i watched hannibal right after that too and hannibal was what the fuck so the not tv the, show not the, the tv show the movie tv show which one is that is that the gary Oldman one with julianne moore or that's red dragon that's red dragon uh i like science of the lambs that was one of those movies that i watched when i was like 12 13 when i maybe shouldn't have late at night and it 
scared me so much, but also like was it lumped into things that made me think that like maybe movies were more than just American pies. Right. Um, I slept with my back against the wall. Yeah. When Jodie Foster is, is so good. Jodie Foster is Jodie Foster, but that's, that's one of her better thing. It's so good. And if I had seen it, I think younger when I was still learning about horror films or something, it might've made an impression. I mean, before I saw this movie, I saw Get Out, right? Like, I saw that before oh, I ever saw yeah. Silence of the Lambs. So my There's definitely a direct line there. Yeah. So it's like, for me, it's like, man, I'm going to talk about horror films that are great. Like, I don't know, man. I got some, like, I got some opinions. But it's really good. It's just, I I guess I, I feel conflicted, so I'm going with my gut. Well, and the other thing for me is because I did watch it probably a little too young. It was, because I, I, I know for a fact I watched it long before I, I watched Alien or Aliens. Oh, yeah. Just the idea of Jodie Foster as a woman sort of going toe-to-toe in a man's world. You know, that was the, not, I can't say for sure that was the first, but that was probably one of the first movies that I saw that in as an adult movie. And she, her struggle to be taken seriously and her struggle to be effective and her struggle to then bring her sense of, you know, compassion and empathy to the case. Well, yeah, it's very much maybe a testament to Foster or that character, but... Clarice Mm -hmm. also doesn't succeed by totally going stoic and shutting off any part of her personality that might be read as feminine. Right. She also allows herself to be a little um, emotional over attached to things. And it also makes you then notice later how a male character in that same thing would have been over emotional too, but they wouldn't have said that. Yeah. Um, So I think that does really good job too, because it is a it's it's like Ripley in that sense where you know she's she's a badass, but also she's like really into helping Newt do things because it reminds her of her child, and that's not a bad thing. That's just another thing. Well, and I think that you that you are so compelled by her, and Anthony Hopkins delivers this performance that is so enigmatic that you really want to toe that line with him. That's actually an issue I had with the film. I think he's his performance was cool at the time, but I think it's the least essential to the movie now for me. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I, But I think that that... So the things that I generally don't like with the anti-heroes, I think they did a good job with in Silence of the Lambs. I think that's why I don't like Hannibal, the movie. I don't like rooting for him. Yeah. I like the essentialism of him, but I do like that at the end of the day, there's that wall. There is... He's the cannibal bad guy and she's the good guy and while he's helpful they don't try to blur that line of is he the hero yeah i I think i think what i said before about how i watched hannibal right after i think that is what affected my opinion because oh hannibal is terrible i mean it's just like everything about him that was like cool and collected and fascinating and almost terrifying kind of just like went to shit in hannibal because he became almost like comically not scary at all and just kind of like shock value e and then like he so quickly becomes just like fraser yeah it was just like it, that's actually pretty that's pretty good jesse that's pretty accurate like he wasn't scary even though he was doing horrific things he was like a comical old man and i'm just like this is not what i want out of my villains i'm also affected by the fact that i've seen hannibal the tv show where Hannibal's actually fucking terrifying. Well, and if you want to see the the lamest adaptation, go watch Hannibal Rising, which is like teen Hannibal. I forgot about that one. Oh, it's gross. It, yeah, it's is Hannibal just... the one where he makes Ray Liotta eat his own brain? Uh-huh. Okay, I've seen that one. Yeah, yeah. I do yeah, like that like... part. But I like oh, the part that was bad. Yeah, I was going to say, are you, <laughs> are you for real? Because that part actually made me angry at the filmmakers. Because I'm like, why would you... 
do this to this film. Like maybe it's in the book. So, so my vote is for Silence of the Lambs. Mine too. So that's the end. That brings us down to next week. So who who are our winners this week? Hunger Games, The Iron Giant, Minority Report, The Wizard of Oz, Crazy Rich Asians, Stand By Me, The Devil Wears Prada, um, The Princess Bride, The Gone with the Wind, Silence of the Lambs, The Gone Girl, Dracula, Where the Wild Things Are, Fantastic Mr. Fox, Shrek, and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Wow. Yes. Pretty pleased with ourselves. And there's some very interesting matchups for next week that I'm already seeing, but we'll talk about those next week because don't want to ruin any of the excitement there. And we'll be able to see them online. Yeah. So don't forget to follow along with us at challenge, C-H-A-L-L-O-N-G-E dot com slash W-S March 2019. Uh, usually this is when we would throw in what's making you sweat, but we've already made you sit here for way longer than normal. <laughs> but uh, I do know there is something that make, is making Jen sweat really hard. So Jen, what is making you sweat? Are you, are you serious? Uh, there's this wine that I bought at Trader Joe's called Rain Cloud. $7. Ooh. It's the best wine I've ever tasted in my life. So, if What kind of wine is it? It's red wine. Red blend. Um, oh, Okay. And so, yeah, just go ahead and get Rain Cloud Wine if you're at Trader Joe's because fucking cheap and the best. And if you're from Rain Cloud Wine, please sponsor us. Yeah, just send Jen a case. Please. I'm happy. I'm happy to promote you. (laughs) And so with that, uh, that wraps it up for this week's episode of The Right Sweats. The first peak in our Merch Mountains of Madness. Yeah. You can find us on iTunes, on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us at our blog. You can follow us on our website, and you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, friends. Uh, Goodbye, Clarice. (laughs) Oh, God. See y'all later. I gotta pee.